Like Brother Nathan playing that piano a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> Listen to that going, oh my goodness. Amen. It is uh, the love of Christ that leads us uh, to the passage that we're in today. So Matthew chapter 5, can I continue our series through the Beatitudes? We're building the house out of Matthew chapter 7 at the end of this, this message that Jesus is preaching where he says, those of you who listen to these sayings of mine and do them, you'll be likened unto one who builds his house on a rock. Remember, remember that? Remember the stats in chapter 7 at the very end of chapter 7? And if you don't do them, you're like those who built your house on the sand. And when the storms come, it never stops the storms. And there's always a misconception, I think, for some people about what Christianity means or believes. Um, because being a Christian doesn't make all the bad parts of life just quit. You know, my, my dad, I remember, him, I remember sitting with him as a, as a kid uh, talking to a couple that had just been saved and uh, had a pretty rough, I mean, rough, rough life. And he's trying to explain to them, well, just because you got saved doesn't mean that the bills are going to quit coming in the mail. You know, you know that's, that's part of life. The difference being is what you look like on the other side of the trouble. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. So if you will, let's stand. And what we're going to do now, we, for those of you who have been here, we've been building this house that the Lord talks about out of Matthew 7. And today we're going to put the roof on. Okay? Today we're going to put the roof on. So Matthew, or roof, however you want to say it. Roof, roof. Root, root. Oh, anyways, creek, creek. We could go on a lot. Matthew chapter 5, begin reading in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And again, notice the colon. So from what he's saying now, he's going to be saying to his disciples, not necessarily the multitude. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And here's our text for the day. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Father, we thank you very much for the day. Lord, we do ask that you would, Lord, help our hearts to be softened and tender to the word and to the teaching of Jesus, knowing that what he's giving us here, Lord, is, Lord, the ability to go through some of the worst storms that this life can give and come out the other side, safe, whole, in peace. Lord, we ask that you would help us to hear tonight what you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we're going to, I'm going to walk through and build our house again, okay? I, I, keep, I keep with me my little diagram all the time. There's another way to do it if you want. You could do this in concentric layers, 
It's at the center, and then you just keep building out. So, and a reminder that the world tends to look at this, the Beatitudes as a collection of good attributes that humans would seek for. And that's kind of nice. That's maybe a, a nice artsy way to look at it. But when the, the Jews typically use a list like this, it's, it's a stacking list. You don't get to three without having two. Okay, that's why he talks about it's building a house at the end at Matthew chapter 7. He says this is a life that's building a house. They have to have a foundation before you can put the walls in. You got to do the dirt work before you can put the foundation in. I mean, there's, there is a process to this whole, this whole thing. So, and he starts off with, again, he starts off with the foundation, poor in spirit, which means it's humble. It's not talking about poor as in lacking uh, something that others have. It literally means like a, it's a noun. It's a poor person. It's a beggar, a person who is on the side of the road. And it's the beggar. That's that person who is bowing and looking to, to their help from others. And it's humble. Blessed are the humble, the poor in spirit, the humble, because they are, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They belong there. They're citizens. They're citizens of heaven. Their place is to be in heaven. And then it says, remember, we, we went into that first floor. The first floor was attitude, if you don't remember that. Attitude. We had two parts of the floor of attitude, and that is mourning and meekness. And we started off with, blessed are they that mourn. Well, why would somebody who has, why would we build mourning on top of humility? Because the person who bows before Christ, and they see the risen Christ, and they see, or they see Christ upon the cross, recognizes that Christ is on the cross because of their sin. And they mourn for their sin. And the Bible promises right here, Jesus promises, they shall be comforted. I love that word. I just, (coughs) I hope I never get past that word. The idea of comfort is those who see themselves as a sinner, they recognize like Isaiah did in Isaiah when he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then he said, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. And that is exactly, exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He says, He bows before him in mourning, just like, Lord, I'm unworthy to be here. I shouldn't be here. And it says, he uses that word, they shall be comforted. And the word comfort there is the same word as the comforter, the parakletos, the one who gets down beside us. I mean, that's just, it's like the promise of Jesus. If you mourn for your sin, I'm going to be right there with you, encouraging you and loving on you and helping you. That's the most wonderful thing in the whole world. And I can't re-preach the message because we got a different one. So listen faster. Okay. So then the second part of that first floor of attitude was the meek. Blessed are the meek. And we talked about how meekness is not how the world defines meekness. It's not weakness. It's power under control. It's it's literally, uh, well, the, the idea is a bridled horse. That's literally the idea behind the wording in the verses here is a, the, the power of a horse, but it's under its master's control. That's the word for meekness there. So it's not just weak and a pushover. It's my power under his control. It's, I've, I've, I've become a believer and I've humbled myself before Christ on the cross and I've mourned for my sin, saw myself as I should be, and just like Isaiah did, he says, I'm not worthy. And then the Lord says, you know, I need somebody to go do a work for me. And Isaiah says, I'll go. That's meekness. I'm placing myself under his control to do his will. Is everybody here? Is everybody connecting the dots? Okay, you've got to keep, keep on. We have to put all this together. That's the first floor. So mourning and then meekness. And what does it say about the meek? And I can't re-preach this other, but it says they shall inherit the earth. 
And again, that word earth, especially to the audience he's talking about, was a very meaningful word connecting with the promised land. It's literally talking about the dirt, not the whole world. Literally referencing the dirt. And of course, to the, to, the, to the Jews, the dirt was a big deal. The promised land. And here's, here's those who would yield themselves to God's control will receive specific promises to them that God has given. And I can't re-preach that. That's just a wonderful thought. And then it says, we get into that second floor. So we, got, we built that first one of, of uh, the foundation of humility and then the first floor of attitude. And then attitude, of course, affects our actions. And the second floor was actions. And we looked at, blessed are they, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They, they see Jesus and they see, they see what Jesus has made them. Remember we talked about Philippians 3, 13 and 14 where Paul says, I follow after if that I may apprehend or take into my possession that for which I, I am taken in possession. Jesus says I'm perfect, but I know I'm not, so I follow after if that Monday I might look like what Jesus says I already look like. That's a wonderful thing that Paul says it. So here's hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it's, again, the word hunger and thirst here is the opposite of. It's okay, look up here. They'll take care of things. Hunger and thirst is literally the opposite of drunkenness and, uh, I'm sorry, of, yeah, drunkenness and being wealthy with food, food coming out, your, coming out your ears. It's the opposite of that. It's not just grumble, grumble. I wonder what we're having for lunch. No, it's I have to have food. I have to have water. I shouldn't have said lunch. That was a bad idea. Everybody change your mind. Look up at the ceiling. Okay, back down here. Okay, we'll reconnect. So, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, they look at their lives and say, I'm never going to be that, Lord, but I want to be. And God says, yeah, you will be filled. You will be filled. Of course, thank the Lord. Philippians 1, 6, he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And of course, there's the actions first one, but then the next one is merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And remember that mercy is something that we give to someone who doesn't deserve it. That's what mercy is. We received mercy from God. We did not deserve it. God gave us mercy, something that we did not deserve. I'm just, just, and here's, here's what Jesus is saying. The life that will handle the storms of life is one that will, can look at people who don't deserve mercy. And we'll give them mercy anyways. Okay? We all know somebody who we say, I don't know if I can forgive them. You don't know what they did. The Bible says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Get, I'm telling you, that, that this is a very Christ-like thing to show mercy, that action. You want to have a life that can, a life that can withstand the storms of life? Be merciful. And that was that second floor. So we had the foundation of humility and then the the first floor of attitude, the second floor of actions. And then last week we talked about the, the third floor of pure motives. And we looked at that verse right there. It says in verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And we, and we talked about this can't, if we're talking about believers here, this can't be referencing salvation because Salvation-wise, all believers are pure in heart. And again, we went back to Philippians 3, 13 and 14, that Paul's striving to be what God said he already was. I, are, I am already pure, so I'm striving to be pure. And we begin to look at the word wording there. And remember, we talked about how that, that the only thing that we could figure out is it has to be proper motives, guided by proper principles. 
the idea of biblical principles that guide our life, not, not my knee-jerk reactions, but that my... And again, remember how, how odd it was for us as humans to see why do actions come before motives? Because we always would put motives first and then actions, wouldn't we? Come on. I wish the Lord would just change my heart so I would do better. I wish the Lord would change my motives so I could be better. And here's God saying, no, how about you get the boat moving and then ask me for directions? Y'all connect the dots. It's awfully hard to steer a boat if it's not moving already. You can move the rudder all you want. It's not going anywhere. There has to be a movement. You can't course correct a boat boat that's not moving. God can't course correct a life that is not already moving. Because, for heaven's sakes, if any believer in here has ever tried to have proper motives, you know as well as I do that you can have one step of proper motives and the next step, again, motives are out the window except for how it can benefit me. <laughs> Literally. Lord, please help me. Lord, I, got this. I don't really like this person. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm doing this for the Lord. This might make me look good. No, no, no. It doesn't matter how it makes me look. Lord, please. You've got... Lord, if you don't get glory out of this, this is just going to be a mess. It's seeking for proper motives. It's, it's seeing in Scripture what God says. You, know, you need to be merciful. You need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And making the, the, the steps towards it, asking God in the process, Lord, I want to have right motives. Please, Lord, help me have my right motives. Help me do this. And what were the proper motives? That God would get the glory. That should be the, that, that's the motives, or should be the, that's the, literally the purpose of all of God's created beings, just to give God glory. That the purpose of all of God's created beings are to give God glory. So that I would move and in my heart say, Lord, please, today I'm going to have to be an employee. And I don't really want to be a good employee today. But Lord, I know what your word says, so Lord, I'm going to go and try to be a good employee. Lord, if you're going to get any glory out of this, you're going to have to, I don't know, Lord, I'm just going to give it to you, Father. Please, if you can get glory, please get glory. Lord, can you just do, I I have to be a good dad today. I have to be a good husband today. I have to be, excuse me, I'm using the wrong terminology. I have to be a godly dad today. I have to be a godly husband today. Lord, I I can't do it. I'm going to go the direction you say, Lord, please, you're, does everybody know what I'm talking about? If it's going to do anything for you, Lord, please, you're going to have to do it. But sitting there on the couch, waiting for God to miraculously, oh, I wonder what's going on here. Oh, I wonder if God's going to make me a good dad today. I wonder if this is what's going to happen. We're not marionettes. There has to be movement. There has to be attempts. And then the seeking that God would work in us and through us to make that happen. Remember, we're building that house, so here's the roof. Here's the roof right here. Number nine. Oh, sorry, got to finish up verse, verse uh, blessed are appearing heart, for they shall see God. In other words, they're going to look in their life and they're going to be able to look back and say, that was God. Those who sought God to move in their life are going to be able to look back and say, wow, <laughs> that was God did that because it wasn't me. It could not have been me. That had to be God. So anyways, here's the roof. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not the cult peacemakers, okay? All right, come on. There's a couple of you gun guys in the room. I know. Okay. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers. And this is the roof. We're We're not done with the Beatitudes, but this is the roof of the house, okay? Peacemakers. 
One man called this the decorative mark of maturity. The decorative mark of maturity. Barnes, uh, a commentator from years gone by, said it this way, no man is more like God than he who does it. Being a peacemaker. No man is more like God than he who makes peace. Well, what is a peacemaker? Well, I don't think that's... Literally, it's exactly what you think it is. Peacemaker. It's one who tries to prevent or solve strife and conflict. Resolve. One who tries to prevent or resolve strife and conflict. Those, it's the person who jumps in the middle of a fight and tries to reconcile both parties. Which, you know, you can get lawsuits for now. <laughs> Those who try to reconcile opposing parties. I want, I want you to think about this. It's, it's, it's a person who is, they're no longer content just to be meek. My power under his control, yes, I want that, God. And that's, it's, a, it's a passive thing, okay? That's passive. And not just merciful. Merciful is a, is a kind of an inner thing, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's merciful as not treating somebody bad who I really do want to treat bad, <laughs> who really actually deserves my disgust and everything else. I'm supposed to treat them mercifully okay, and that's something I, I deal with inside, but this is actually now moving on the offensive, if you will. It's literally now taking, taking, taking the life of Christ that has been building up in this house and living it out. You, you realize, you understand what Christ did on the cross, right? Christ on the cross was a peacemaker to bring resolution between the enmity that was between us and God. Mercy and truth have, have kissed each other. I mean, it's from the Psalms. I mean, it, it's, the, it's the purpose of Christ on the cross and the resurrection is to allow sinful man, and let me tell you, as much as God loves men, God cannot stand sin. God, sin cannot be in the presence of God. A holy God must, by his very nature, completely obliterate sin. It has to be gone. Darkness, blackness cannot, cannot be a part of God. And here's Jesus spanning, spanning the bridge between the two. He's spanning the divide between the two. He's there. He's now holding imperfect man's hands and, and the perfect God's hand and joins us together in, in one union that will forever blow my mind and yours too if you stop and think about it. That God, the perfect God, would live and make his abode in me. Now you just look at yourself a little bit and ask yourself whether that makes any sense. That God himself would live with you. Praise the Lord. Not just because he's merciful, but because of Jesus as a peacemaker. Jesus was a peacemaker. Now here's, here's the crowning jewel of a Christian life. Is that they, they are no longer now so concerned about themselves. Lord, help me be better. Lord, I want to be hunger and better after righteousness. Lord, I want to become more like you. Thank the Lord. I, I want to have more peace with you, Lord. I, I, I want to be more merciful. I want to be more like you. Now he, he looks outward from himself and he looks at others and he begins to see that others need what he has. He looks at someone who's full of anger and bitterness and angry at the world and angry at this person and angry at that person and maybe for even what would be good reasons in the world and he says, you know what that person needs? They don't need vengeance and they don't need justice. They need Jesus. 
It's a person who has discovered in his own life, wow, I'm, I'm now able to look back on my own life and show mercy to people that have treated me with vile awfulness. And look back on that person and, and see them now, not just as a person needing mercy, but a person who needs peace with God. You, you, you see that? A peacemaker. It's a, it cannot, they are, they're not satisfied now just with themselves obtaining this wonderful new life. They're looking around and saying, when? That, that person needs Jesus. That person needs peace with God. Well, if they could just find peace with God and they begin striving for it. It's an active, it's an active thing for them. So I'm going I'm to read to you Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. You can read it later if you want. Romans 12, 18. And, I, and this, this is an interesting thought, but it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So that's a, I love that little, it's like a caveat from the Lord on peacemaking. Has, has anybody ever met someone that you've, you've tried to do the peace thing? And when I was for peace, they were for war. <laughs> has anybody ever had that? I've, I've told you before about the, um, I, I try to use illustrations from my own family that maybe you can connect with, but uh, a family member that was being dealt with about, you know, why, what's, what's so angry? Why, why are you, why, why is this going this way? And a, some, something that had happened 50, literally 50 years prior and the person's blood vessels are showing up and the face gets red and angry and ah, over something that's 50 years old. Well, time heals all wounds. Baloney. I'm sorry, that's baloney. Christ can heal wounds. You, you know, it took me a while to look back at, because I was close enough to that person, it took me a while to look back at that person and realize that what they needed was not justice for the event that happened 50 years ago because has anybody ever gotten justice that's so satisfying no it's not it's not have you been there if you've ever gotten your own vengeance sometimes you actually feel worse about it afterwards and you don't lose the event but anyways what do you need you need Jesus You need Jesus. That person needs Jesus. That person needs the mercy of God. They need need to find that they can humble themselves before God and they can find all that anger washed away. That's a wonderful thing, a a peacemaker. So so just pause. I mean, there are some people you're going to try to make peace with. It ain't going to happen. But you should be a peacemaker as a believer. You should attempt peacemaking as a believer. Amen. But... What is a peacemaker? And I just, I just want to throw this out. This is, not, this is not a personality. It's a choice. It's a choice. There are some personalities that tend to it a little bit more. And some, some personalities who look at peacemaking and say, <laughs> not me. It ain't happening. Okay? So listen. It's, it's one who has a hard time going to sleep. And this is any age, okay, if you're a believer. He has a hard time going to sleep when there's strife in the family. Has a hard time going to sleep when she knows her brother, her sister across the room is, is upset with them in particular. It's, 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 a, it's a man who, who cannot abide conflict with his wife and needs to resolve it. He, not, he doesn't just say, eh, you do your thing, get over it, I'm going to go to bed, you know, whatever. 
No, there has to be some resolution. There has to be some, under, there has to be some peacemaking. It's, it's, it's somebody who can, as a believer, can be in a church and watch brethren fight and not only won't take sides, listen, won't take sides, he gets in the middle of it and tries to bring them back to a loving relationship with each other. Amen. Now, we're supposed to live in unity. Is that correct? Is that Colossians teaches us that believers are supposed to live in unity. How, how, how easy is it for 10 people, well, let's just go to jury, you know, jury, 12 people in the same room. Has anybody ever been in a jury, 12 people in the same room, and disagreed, saw a disagreement, hung jury? Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's just a yes man. Well, whatever, whatever, whatever you say. No, they're understanding that the peacemaking is according to what God has decided. No, 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 this is not good. Believers are supposed to dwell together in unity, and you all are, this is not good. And we're especially talking about church here. When two brethren or two sisters in a church, and they don't like each other, and they're going after each other, the whole church gets messed up. Mom, dad, when you fight, the whole family gets messed up. Kids, when you guys when you guys go after each other, the, the whole family gets messed up. It's not it, it works. It's it's never just you. It's always bigger than that. And there needs to be believers who are peacemakers who who aren't just going to use quick wit and sharp retorts to shut one person up so the whole thing just quiets down. That's not peace. Listen, that is not peace. Just because things are quiet, you should know this. Does not does not mean there there's peace. You know the old story? Husband and wife get into a big fight, and the wife says, well, how'd you like not to see me for three days? Said, well, I'll be fine. And after three days, one eye started to open up just a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember what, a time when my mom was going through a, a horrible health issue, and I remember there'd be times as a teenager, you'd come out from having fun, shooting hoops or whatever, and you walk in the door, and the first thing you did is you went... Is this a good day or a bad day? Do I just need to kind of like... See how tougher, Mom? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? A peacemaker. Peacemaker can't put up with this. And he doesn't just try to get things quiet. He wants, he wants people connected with God. He wants people's relationship restored to each other and to God. Amen. Well, I sure haven't felt much like a Christian lately. Let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you've purposefully tried to make peace? doesn't mean you're always successful. We're not God. God's not even successful. Everyone in the world's not going to be saved. Jesus himself said, I have nourished, and God himself said, I have nourished and raised up children, and they have rebelled against me. There's no, there's no perfect way to do this, but a peacemaker is one who attempts all the time. He's trying to make peace. He's trying to help people look past, see a bigger picture. Which, by the way, if you're a, you know, you've heard, you, you know my, my uh, near hatred of anything called media nowadays. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Anything that's a, a news organization, anymore there's no desire of trying to bring people together. It's all... Oh, look at them and they're doing this. And look at them and they're doing this. And now everything's in us and them. I mean, everything is in us and them. I mean, you know, what jeans do you like? Well, I like Levi's. Levi's, well, Wranglers is all we've ever worn in our family. And I mean, everything's instantly like, 
I'm Ford. Ford found on the road dead. You know, Chevy, uh, shove it. You know, I mean, it's uh, come on. And literally, this used to be something that we would joke around. And, and after the last few years in the United States, there's very little joking going on about anything. As a matter of fact, if it is joking, you're never quite sure if they're really meaning it. We have a whole generation of people now who don't, even, they don't really even understand how to communicate with people and have a disagreement and that be okay. And what do they need? They need believers that can walk in the middle and say, you're both humans. You're both made in the image of God. God loves you both. The first time you can actually, you know, that time when you actually become an adult enough where you begin to talk to your parents and realize there's some things like you massively disagree with your parents on. And instead of going, huh, well, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go marry do my own thing. You guys can just blah, 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 blah. And at some point you realize, that's, that's not working. And there's peace. It has to be peace. Everybody connecting? Again, peace just doesn't mean quietness. Peace means that we find a bigger picture. Peace means that we've, we find our unity in God himself. I, I'm just telling you, there's a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, especially being a pastor. And you know, We take some strong stances on some things at our church, and I very much am in full support of that. But that doesn't mean that other people who are believers who don't take our stance are wicked or evil or the enemy. Matter of fact, the way the Bible talks it, humans are not the enemy. Humans aren't the enemy. You hear that? Humans aren't the enemy. Who's the enemy? Yeah, if we're wrestling out against flesh and blood, humans aren't the enemy. But against rulers of darkness and high places, principalities, powers, it's, it's the devil. Listen, the devil is out there. He doesn't want anybody out there to have peace with God. So what is he doing? He's constantly sowing fear and evil and wickedness. It's, I mean, I don't know. It, this is kind of my, my twisted mind version of this, okay? I've been here, what, seven years. You all know I have a little bit of a twisted mind by now, I hope, all right? But it's like having a pet snake. <laughs> like, I never was real. Now, it's me. You might have one. That's great. I'm just using my opinion. This is my version of it. Snakes, snakes, you know, dog, when you walk in the door, you know, the dog's like the... Jordan and Hannah got to see it last night. They want to go out and meet Thor. And Thor's like, I'm so excited to see you. I can't believe it. You get inside and he's wanting to give you a hug and lay on you. And where's my ball? And then he can't decide whether he wants to get his ball or lay on you. Just be excited. There's just people here. You know, you see a snake and all you see is like this. You see you here. They either run or they tell you, leave me alone. And if you get too close, I'm going to tell you something about it. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a good reason why the devil has that persona. And if you got a pet snake, I'm sorry. No, I'm... <clears throat> but you get the picture. There are, there are some believers who still act like snakes. And I, by that I mean, by my vision of what that means is, do you don't, cross, don't cross my lines. Don't push my buttons. And once you've crossed my lines and pushed my buttons, sorry, uh, you're done. I'm telling you, there's a book called, there's two books called Boundaries. One's a halfway decent one, and there's one that just is destroying families left and right. Because people walk, people that don't want peace, they just want, leave me alone. 
You leave me alone. You stay over there. I'm going to come over here. I got my boundaries. Don't get inside my boundaries. That's not Bible. Bible seeks peace with people. That we can live together, listen, with different opinions. Some of them pretty strong. And still love each other. Well, why would I do that? Because that's what God said to do. Love the brethren. John talks about it on how much. What's peacemaker? Peacemaker realizes that we need to love each other. We, we only got this much time on earth. Literally, we got this much time on earth. Why are we going to mess around spending all our time on something that is, isn't worth a hill of beans in eternity? Well, you don't know what they did to me. I mean, they should go to jail. That may be. There are some people that frankly should go to jail. There are some evil things that have happened in the world. I get it. <clears throat> Do they need Jesus? So what are you going to focus on? How angry you are with them? Or the fact that they need peace with God? Do you hear me? And it's awful hard to get to peacemaker if somewhere down the line you haven't understood meekness and mourning yourself and have received the peace of God and seen it in your own life. Amen? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. You'll never get to the next step without peacemakers. I'm just telling you. It ain't happening. Peacemakers. Look at what it says. Whoops, I'm in Romans. I'm not going to find out about it there. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now that's an interesting thing. You, why didn't it say they shall be the children of God? They're already the children of God. We already know that. We're, they're already the children of God. This is talking about other people are going to look at them and say, Wow, that person's a child of God. Well, why is that? Because they're doing what Jesus did. Other people from the outside are going to look in and say, wow, they're doing what Jesus did. They're doing the kind of thing that God did. You understand, you know, Brother, Brother, Brother Mark singing about the love of God. And so often, again, we, we so confuse what that word love means. And then we add, we add the word deep to it, like that's supposed to make it better. And we don't even know what that means. We don't know what, I mean, listen, a lot of us, we don't know what love means. And we say deep love, it sounds bigger and better, but we don't even know what that means. Come on. For God so loved, right, the world. I'll say, so God should teach us what love is. And again, the word so, I'm going to preach this and preach this. Go look it up yourself. The word so does not mean an indefinable quantity. So much. God is. In this way, love the world. Like so, loved the world. Now we have definable quantity that he gave his only begotten son. God loved losers, sinners, people who could not be in his presence, but he loved them anyways. They did not deserve his love. They didn't deserve anything from him. Matter of fact, more than half of them shake their balled up little dusty fist at him, saying, I'm not going to do what you say, and I'm never going to believe in you, blah, 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 and hatred and whatever. And yet God loved even those, because they're not the enemy. God so loved the world that he, he said, you know what, you know how much I love you? I'm going to give my son to die on a cross. I love you all. It would take an act of God for me to give my son for anybody in the room. I, I mean, I think I'm speaking as a dad. I give myself, but not my son. 
That's definable. That God would look at people who are going to tell him they love him and then turn around the next day and lie and cheat and steal and treat their wives horribly and say nasty things to each other. The very things that caused Jesus' death on the cross and still extend that love to us because he's a peacemaker. And those who in this life, instead of being angry at everyone who's hurt me and going to get him back and cutting off all those relationships, would instead realize they are not the enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The, the, the devil's the enemy. The devil is twisted and used. The devil doesn't care for people. He's going to twist them and use them and throw them away. God, instead of twisting and using and throw them away, sends his own son so that he might bring them to himself. Out of, out of whorehouses and drug houses and out of, out of evil empires and where they've been murderers and jails. and I mean, the, the worst of the worst that we can think of. God, listen, we, we look at Adolf Hitler. He could never be saved. Oh, yes, he could. Yes, he could. God's grace and love is big enough for all if they would turn to him. By his actions, I doubt he ever was. But it's big enough for him. Big enough for David when he committed adultery and murder as the king. Moses committed murder. Abraham, <laughs> lots of weirdness going on with Abraham. Telling your wife to tell everybody they're your sister and who knows what's going to happen with that. Not just once. <laughs> Jacob the deceiver, all these wicked evil people in, in, in God's Bible that he decided to go ahead and put in his lineage of his own son. Amen? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. You want a life that can handle the storms of life? Where do most of our storms come from? They come from either our own internal issues or stuff other people do to us. And a peacemaker can look at, listen, there's some of you got a person in your mind right now going, I understand. It only happens, (laughs) it only happens, remember, when we put ourselves under his control and we do the actions asking God to help the motives and praying that he'll get the glory. Amen. You got one person in your mind right now that's just searing. If they were to walk in the room right now, you'd everything in your power not to walk out. I, mean, I don't think there's a person in the room that doesn't understand that. Or the heart right now just full of anger. Hatred, resentment, wanting to, them to pay, but they got, they're going to pay for what they did to me. <clears throat> oh, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Oh, you'll get payback. You hear what I'm saying? That's not a peacemaker. That's not someone who's taking the love of Christ given to them and learning that the same love that was shown to them needs to be shown to others. You know what peacemakers are? I'm just be real dead serious. You know what a peacemaker is? A peacemaker is someone that God can use to win souls. Because when they see someone, they don't see all the junk on the outside, all the pricklies that they got on the outside they're defending themselves with. They see the soul that's eternally bound for hell that Jesus Christ died on a cross for and shed his blood for. And instead of seeing someone that I'm mad at, they see someone that God sent his son to die for, who God loves. And instead of making it all about me, 
They make it all about peacemaking between them and God. Amen. Peacemakers will be recognized. That person is a child of God. They're a believer. They're a, that's a Christian right there. That's a Christian. <clears throat> I watched my uh, my family. I watched my dad. I mean, I'll, use, I'll use my dad. There were some horrible events that happened uh, one side of my family back in the past years prior. Uh, horrible, violent things that were never explained. Uh, never, nobody ever said that it was... I'm just, my mom had a whole pot of coffee dumped on her when she was eight months old and it was never once told her that it was an accident. Never once in her whole life was it said that it was an accident, and it was just avoided. Had to have, I don't know how many surgeries by the time she's 12 years old, lost massive amounts of flesh, had one surgery, had 2,000 stitches, all the while never knowing, getting the idea that maybe it was done on purpose, and never who did it. And I watched my dad in the later years of my, of, in the later years of life, when it was beginning, the relationship was beginning to affect my mom's health, her, her emotional health and her mental health and it was spreading to the other family because the other family, the other part of the family knew the same stuff and it was causing a huge divide and I watched my dad go from side to side back to, back to the one back to the other, seeking to make things right please would, even offering like would I'll pay for a Christian counselor, would you please, I'll, I'll I'll, I'll pay for everything, any, any cost necessary. What is, he, what is he doing? He couldn't stand the conflict because he was looking beyond his, the possibility of what family had done to his wife instead seeing a person that needed to get peace with God. People that hurt the most hurt the most. People that hurt the most are the people who hurt other people the most. And they're the people who most need Christ. Peacemakers. Peacemakers. Thank the Lord that person is a believer and now they're in heaven and all, all that's taken care of. But for those few moments, I watched my dad be a child of God. I watched him set aside because I knew the pain it was causing. I was old enough to see the pain that it was causing in, the, in our family, in the extended family, even causing division between, between in our family because other, other parts of our family couldn't see the whole picture and they thought there was a lot of overreaction going on, couldn't understand it. And watch my dad run through all those people and, and thank the Lord now, our family, all the parts of that family, we all still talk. And there's, there's still a, a family connection. And I attribute it to my dad trying to be a peacemaker. Now we can look at some of the most horrible events in our lives and we can 
point our finger and shake our fist and we can hold grudges and be angry and you can hold that all your life and you will, you will never see the work of God through your life extended to other people in the way that you would if you would learn to forgive and realize that what those people need is not vengeance. They need the peace of God. Peace that can only come from God. This is the, the crowning attribute of a Christian life. It's peacemaking. Haven't seen God in your life much? Haven't really felt like much of a witness lately? Let me ask you a question. Are you a peacemaker? Father, Lord, I, I know for a fact that there are people in this room that have been hurt in horrible, awful ways.